You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, oh man, what a weekend it was. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez here. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, pressing all the buttons. James Mesh, what's going on, bud? How was your long weekend? One too bad. Yeah? Ended on a high note. Yeah? Yeah. Your Celtics Celtics are going to the NBA Finals? They are. I mean, you you kind of expected that. Yeah. Uh, You've been been harping on that all postseason. They were going to make the Finals. Yeah, I always believe they had a good chance. But now they're faced with probably their toughest task yet. The dubs. Yeah. The splash bros. <laughs> Won't be easy. Oof. But that's how it's been the whole postseason. You we'll dive into that a little deeper later, but just real quick, give me give me like thirty seconds. Give me your thoughts on the series. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> just the whole heat series. It was terrible. I mean, he, the first four the first four they were all blowouts. And then you had a nice game five where it's like, we got a nice change of pace. And then you think you're going to close it out in game six. But no. Jimmy Butler decides to have a career high out of nowhere. And then game seven, it was the, the, the Boston Celtics could have won by 30. But just, I don't want to blame the refereeing, but the way the calls looked, it was like they wanted to keep the game close and within range. They don't want the Heat to like take too much of a lead or overtake the lead, and they don't want the Celtics to go up by 15 or 20. Like It felt like that's just how the calls were because they were, they were random. They were weird. It didn't make a lot of sense on some of the calls. I'm like, how are you calling Kyle Lowry him still moving and falling back a charge, but Marcus Smart's literally standing still and they call a blocking foul? And that's just one. That's just one of the many examples. Mister Positivity, right here. Mister Positivity, James Mesh. I'm ha- I'm happy we're here, but it was just that that was just awful to have to watch. It was. I, I think I would have rather. No, I don't want to watch Paint Dry, but he said <laughs> it was. It was a cl- paint dry. That, that was a that was a close comparison. That was that was a tough game to watch. Oh my god! All right, so let's let let's talk about. What else is going on in the world of sports? The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Dude, they did it. They diggity done did it. Every possible odd was stacked against them. And they found a way to get it done. You won the 4-5 matchup in dominating fashion, beating South Alabama 9-1. Then you go on to play the number one team in the conference, a team that swept you just three weeks ago. You get a 142-pitch complete game from Jacob Schultz, and you win. And then you go to the championship game to play the two-seeded team that you had beaten two out of three in the regular season. You fall behind five to nothing and still find a way to win at seven to six. And now, the the difficulties continue 
because you got a hell of a regional in College Station. I mean, you're the three seed, and your first matchup is against the Big 12 regular season champ. That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. We'll talk about that with Jay Walker at 4.30. Also at 5 o'clock, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Keith Gill, will join us to discuss the Sunbelt Tournament as well as Sunbelt teams in the NCAA Tournament. And then at 5.30, like we do each and every Tuesday, it'll be to the moon. Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston will join us to talk about the Astros continuing that nine-game road trip. They're on the back end of it in Oakland as we speak. They play tonight at 8.40 right here on the game. Your poll question of the day. We're going to use the same one from this morning because, I mean, it was the same idea we had. So that's what that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to piggyback off of their idea. Which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? Is it UL? Is it LSU in Hattiesburg? Is it Louisiana Tech in Austin? Or is it Southeastern in Auburn? LSU probably has the easiest road. I mean, Kennesaw State, Southern Miss is good, don't get me wrong, but Southern Miss, LSU, you know, what what are we really comparing there? And then um I'm drawing a blank on who the fourth team is in that regional. James, help me out. Tech? No. Southeastern. No. Cajuns. No. L- oh, LSU's oh. regional. Oh, and LSU's regional. LSU's oh, I'm regional. Dr- I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank on who the other team is in that regional. Um, and I don't have the bracket in front of me. Actually, yes, I do. Hold on. Army. There it is. The Black Knights. Army West Point. Um, I mean, they're pretty good, but it, it it's one of those things when you get to the NCAA tournament, you can't really overlook anybody because they're one of the 50, 64 best teams in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so, so it's really kind of hard to to overlook anyone. But James, one regional that I want to spend a second touching on, actually we'll do that in the second segment. Um, we've got some golf to talk about today too. The, uh, the Charles Schwab Challenge was this weekend and it was absolutely phenomenal. Sam Burns winning in a playoff. Get this. James, picture this in your head. Guy plays a round of golf. Puts himself in contention for the lead. Goes sits in the clubhouse for two hours. Mm-hmm. Muscles get tight. You know, body gets stiff. All that stuff. Find out that you have to be in a playoff with the number one golfer in the world <laughs> and the Masters champ. And on the first hole, you outdrive Scotty Scheffler and then sink a 40-foot birdie putt to win it. That's ice. That is, <laughs> that, that's that is ice ins- in the veins. That's insane. Sam Burns had an unreal tournament. A 71 in round one, followed by a 68-67, and then a 65 on Sunday to take down Scotty Scheffler and walk away with a crisp 
$1.5 million. I mean, how, how could you be mad? You got a nice trophy. You got a nice car. Because that's apparently one of the, the prizes of winning the Colonial is you get a car and $1.5 million. Like, no big deal, right? Um, also, a couple weeks ago, we spent some time talking about the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher drama. Nick Saban had the opportunity to put that drama to bed today at the first day of SEC coaches meetings in Destin, and he did not do that. Nick Saban went to the microphone and said, and I quote, I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. Oh, really? You didn't? You didn't sit there and say that Texas A&M bought every player in their recruiting class? Like, this was the moment where Saban should have sat on the mic and said, you know what, it was unprofessional of me to bring that up. I apologize. You know, I'd really like to move on from it. Be done with it. But no. He said, let me take this bottle of lighter fluid and squirt a little bit more on there. Just make it blow up again. Because you know Jimbo's going to fire back a comment on that. Right, James? Like, I mean, you, you got to know that's coming. Of course. After, after what happened the first time? Yeah. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to die down for a couple weeks, and it'll probably pick up at SEC Media Days next month. Oh, 200%. Not just 100%. I mean, 200%. Some, somebody's going to have to end it at some point. Feels like you're gonna have to put both of them in opposite corners or, of the room. Or, or, or do you think they're gonna just wait and end it on the football field in October? I don't even think it'll end there. Oh I think, I think God. if Jimbo loses, maybe, maybe it continues. I still can't believe that Jimbo Fisher called Nick Saban a narcissist. <laughs> called him a narcissist, dude. That is wild to me. And then Saban tried to be the nice guy. I have no problem with Jimbo at all. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, like I said, the Houston Astros will play tonight against the Oakland Athletics. 841st pitch from the Oakland Coliseum. James Akeem Hicks going to the ba- going to the Bucks. Yeah, I was hoping he would try and find his way back to New Orleans. But I do know I mean he definitely could play D tackle. But I know he's kind of more of an... I don't know. It feels like the fit's not quite the same as it was before. Yep. Since they do run more of a 4-2 instead of a 3-4 and just run five DBs. It would have been great to have them, and you can have you know, Cam and Davenport and then have Onyemata and Hicks. But, I mean, it does make a lot of sense for Bucks to go get them since they haven't re-signed Indomitian Subak. So they they did have another hole right right there, and they need somebody other than Vita Vea. And I yep. I don't recall I, I I don't think Jason Pierre Paul is on the roster. So where does Ndamukong Sue go now? Retirement, or just sit there like you know how some players whenever sit they're there veterans, and wait for maybe a playoff run, a play late playoff run, or until someone gets injured, yep. and then it's like hey, I'm still here. Right. How about Aaron Donald? 
saying that if he doesn't read, because here's the here's the thing, his contract's not expiring. His contract's through 2024. However, he's out of guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. So he wants a new deal so that he can have guaranteed money, which I don't blame him. Business decision, right? Aaron Donald said that he would be at peace with his career if he and the Rams can't agree to a new contract. I mean, yeah, the whole the whole thing is ever since the Super Bowl happened, he's like, I just need my one. And he's kind of been on the fence ever since he won the Super Bowl. That same night, I mean, they were asked, are you coming back? And he's like, I don't know. I'll have to see. So, to me, as soon as you're like, I'll have to see, in my eyes, it's like, yeah, you want to play football, no doubt, but, and you you still have that drive, but you're not necessarily worried anymore. You now have accomplished what you wanted to do. You right. won it. You got to that Super Bowl that first time. Tom Brady took you down. You were able to get there a second time, and this time you actually won it. He so said, it feels like he's he's fulfilled about everything because he's been a defensive yep. player. He's got all these other athletes like Rookie of the Year. And and all these others, and I mean, he's gotten plenty of sacks. He's he's gotten great stats, and his film proves it. So at this point, could you still play and potentially maybe try and get to that like best defensive tackle or best defensive player or have the most sacks in a career? Yeah, but I feel like he's he's almost full. He's pretty much fulfilled. Yeah, that's what he said. I was blessed to play this game to make the money I made and the accomplishments I made in eight years. It's like I'm complete. If I can win another one, that's great. But if not, I'm at peace. Exactly. So, I at this point, now hearing him actually say that, I even if he does come back to the Rams, and the Rams having the toughest schedule, mm-hmm. and them being the Super Bowl champs, so they're going to get their best punch from everyone now. Oh, yeah. I, I think they'll just barely scratch into the playoffs. Donald said he and the Rams probably will work out a deal, but if one can't be reached, he won't walk away mad. Could we see an early retirement for Aaron Donald? We've seen it before. It's intriguing. That's interesting. Let's take a timeout right here, and when we return on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We're going to dive into the NCAA regionals. We're going to talk about each one. We're going to spend a lot of time on the Hattiesburg Regional. What can the Tigers do to get it done? You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you want to see the Houston Astros in person, then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. 
Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 421 here on your Tuesday. Let's go over the NCAA tournament for baseball. James is a little mind-blown. He didn't realize that half of these colleges existed. I mean, James, do you know who Binghampton is? <laughs> no, I just saw that. Binghampton, UCSB. Bro, UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. That's where Jim Rome went. Jim Rome went to UCSB. You act like I know Jim Rome's Jim Rose profile. <laughs> he, talk, he talks about it often on the show. I don't listen, Jim. Okay. Um, let's see, who else did you... DBU. Canisius. Kin- Canisius. That one got me. Yeah. Um, you Colum- asked, Columbia. Columbia. You, right. asked, you asked about SEMO. Yeah, SEMO got me in the Red Hawks. It's a lot of the four seeds that you're, you don't really know who they are, if, if you notice which that. Is, which makes it's fair. Coppin State. It's fair. Um, did you know who Kennesaw State was? Nah, this is the first time. D- DBU got me too. Yeah, Dallas Baptist, good baseball program, man. At one point this year, they were in the conversations of hosting a regional. Those can't those Campbell Camels, <laughs> dude. Okay, so you bring that up. I was watching the selection show yesterday, and the guy they're announcing that bracket, and he goes, "Excuse the pun, but Campbell gets over the hump." Oh, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no." So in the Knoxville Regional, that's your number one overall seed. Tennessee, Alabama State, Georgia Tech, and Campbell. Come on. Tennessee's rolling through that. (laughs) Rolling through, and they're taking no prisoners. I mean, they're just going to roll through that. That is going to be a quick, you know, relaxing weekend for the Vols. Is Alabama State a battle wasp? Uh, Yellow Jackets, I believe. Those are Yellow Jackets? I believe they're the Yellow Jackets. Okay. And then your two seed, Stanford, Binghampton, UCSB, and Texas State. I like Texas State. I do. I respect the hell out of them. They have no shot. No shot. They'll beat UCSB. They'll beat Binghampton. They're not touching Stanford. With a 10-foot pole. That's going to get ugly quickly. But you know what's going to get even uglier than that, James? The Statesboro Regional. You ready for this? Georgia Southern. I was going to say, this This is some good comp in this one. UNC Greensboro. Notre Dame. And Texas Tech. Now, Notre Dame... A lot of national analysts believe that Notre Dame got snubbed out of hosting a regional. They should have been a regional host. A lot of people think that. So, congratulations, Georgia Southern. You're hosting for the first time in program history. Here's your head on a silver platter. Yeah, because Tech's actually pretty good at baseball. Too. Tech's phenomenal. Yeah. I had never heard of UNCG either. That one, that one also got oh me. Oh, my God. I had, as we got to Statesboro, I was like, Wait, I've never seen these yeah, Spartans. Yeah, UNC, UNC Greensboro. Are they Spartans or Trojans? Uh, Let I me see. Know. I have no idea. Um, going down the list, College Park. Maryland hosting for the first time in program Spartans. history with LIU, Wake Forest, and UConn. Uh, I couldn't tell you much about this regional. My pick, if I had to pick one, would be Maryland. 
Oh, because they're the top seed. I I was gonna maybe go Wake Forest. Yeah, Wake Forest usually isn't isn't bad at baseball. Yeah, they're usually pretty good. Um, you said they're the Spartans, UNCG. Yeah, they're the Spartans. Austin Regional, Texas Air Force, La Tech, DBU. This regional's gonna be fun. <laughs> that regional's gonna be fun. DBU is good. La Tech. We know we know La Tech. As much as it hurts me, they're good. Air Force, they're not too shabby either. And, and then, then Texas is Texas. And then Texas. They got a kid on their roster right now that just broke the program record for home runs in a season. He has 29 on the year. 29. Dylan Cruz was your SEC co-player of the year and hit 21. Just to put that into perspective for you. Chapel Hill, UNC, Hofstra, Georgia, VCU. That's going to come down to UNC and Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. That's going to come down to UNC and Georgia. Um, I, I, I had forgot Hofstra existed until just now. What Saints player went to Hofstra? Marcus Colston. Thank you. Greenville Regional, East Carolina, Coppin State, Virginia, and Coastal Carolina. This one will be interesting. Because Virginia's not bad. They're a good two seed. Then you got Coastal, who's a great... I was going to say, we know, we know Coastal. They're a great three seed. And then you got East Carolina. East, Car- themselves. East Carolina, interesting statistic about them. They are the one... They have the most regional appearances in NCAA history without a trip to Omaha. They've never made it to Omaha. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes up. Stillwater, Oklahoma State, Missouri State, Arkansas, Grand Canyon. It, it's going to come down to Oklahoma State and Arkansas. Can Arkansas get their act together? Because they always seem to fall apart in the postseason. So can they get their act together and you know make that a make that a series with Oklahoma State? And then you got College Station, Texas A and M, Oral Roberts, TCU, Louisiana. This is this is tricky because A and M is wow A and M's good. Oral Roberts, they're your prototypical four seed. TCU's a great program. Um, they've been to Omaha plenty of times in the last decade or so. And then you got the Cajuns, who a lot of people didn't think they'd be here. Won the Sun Belt tournament. Now they're in, and. They've got a chip on their shoulder. They've got fight in them. They've got, you know, a motivation to go out and prove people wrong. So that'll be a fun series. That'll be a fun regional. Uh, Hattiesburg, Southern Miss, Army, LSU, Kennesaw State. It's obviously going to come down to Southern Miss and LSU. Which team? It's going to be Southern Miss's pitching against LSU's offense. Which one's going to prevail? Gainesville, in my honest opinion, Florida shouldn't even be hosting. Um, Florida, Central Michigan, Oklahoma, Liberty. I think Oklahoma wins that regional. A lot of people thought they should host. I thought so too. Uh, So I think Oklahoma's going to win that regional. Auburn, you got Auburn, Southeastern, UCLA, Florida State. Man, did you see that game between UCLA and Oregon State over the weekend? 
No, I didn't see it. It was 21 to 12 going into the ninth. <laughs> Oregon State was leading. UCLA scored nine runs in the ninth to tie it up. They go into extras. I want to say they went 12 innings. UCLA hit a walk-off three-run homer to win the game 25-22. to I love that. They, they said, they said uh, the Pac-12 apparently doesn't play defense in baseball either. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Um, and then speaking of Oregon State, they're hosting the Corvallis Regional with New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, and San Diego, Oregon State, and Vanderbilt. It's going to come down to the two of those. James, which which regional, you know, just on the surface, are you most interested in in viewing? Well, of course, the College Station one, since you know Texas A and M, you got Cajuns. Yep. You also got Oral Roberts, who I mean, we saw the surprise of their men's basketball team. So it's like. Could their baseball could team do this, could like do, do a surprise thing? do a yeah. surprise as well? There was a, oh, there was another one. Oh, which one is it? Hattiesburg's exciting for obvious reasons. LSU, of course. Um, I'm really excited about that Austin regional. I think the Statesboro one gets me. Yeah, that'll be a good. Because you got too. Georgia Southern, but then you also have Notre Dame who can do it as well as Texas Tech. Yep. And then you also have. What I would say, maybe a wild card in UNCG. They yeah. pr- they more likely not won't make it, but still, th- that that whole regional right there feels like you almost couldn't count anyone out. No, you couldn't, and and that that's the thing about this point of the year. Can you really count anybody out? No, I mean you made it this far for a reason. I mean you're one of the last sixty four teams in the country. I don't I don't think you can count anybody out at this point of the year. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be a fun weekend. Be a fun next couple of weeks. Uh, the College World Series kicking off, I want to say June 17th. So you got two, you got a weekend of regionals, you got a weekend of super regionals next weekend, and then they all go to Omaha for the College World Series. So it'll be fun. It will be fun. Let's take a time out right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, it's Cajun's Corner with the Jay Burt, Jay Walker. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The Jay Bird, Mr. Jay Walker, back from Montgomery, Alabama. Jay, how are you? I'm doing great, but boy, this is going to be a quick turnaround because it's time to hit the road again. Yeah, no, no kidding. You're leaving tomorrow for College Station. You know, I am. Walk, walk me through this weekend. I mean, you go from getting there Monday to, you know, not playing Wednesday and then. They make the decision to push it to single elimination, and now here you are just a couple of days later, Sunbelt Champs. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you know, if you get there on Monday and you're not going to play till Friday and you're going to have bad weather, there's only two things you can do, and that's eat and drink. And uh, and I wasn't hungry, so it was quite a, quite a few days. Um, no, seriously, it, um, 
it was an amazing weekend. And, you know, if, if you look at the three games as an aggregate, it's I, it easily, in my opinion, the best three games Cadence have played this year. You know, and, and it started with South Alabama, where from the very first pitch to the to the very last one, it was a systematic dismantling uh, of a good team. You know, the Cajuns got the lead, and then they were able to build on it and tack on. They wound up getting a, you know, we consider it South Alabama a relatively easy win. Then you step forward, and now in the last two games, you got to do something you haven't done all year long. Uh, you know, Jacob Schultz has a masterpiece, and um, for the first time all year, the Cajuns won a game where they scored fewer than five runs. And then on Sunday, you have the ninth inning comeback, and that's the first game the Cajuns have won when trailing after eight. So when when you look at what they did those three days, I don't. You're not going to be able to find a three game set during the season that they played any better baseball than what they played over the weekend. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Jay, one thing I really want to touch on is that Saturday night game against Texas State, a team that you hadn't beaten in the regular season, had some chances to beat them in the regular season series, but really just couldn't quite get it done. And then you just get, like you said, a master class from Jacob Schultz. You know, the games that they played over in uh, San Marcos were all very competitive games. The, uh, the Cajuns lost each one by two runs. And and I said the whole time, I, you know, I want to see what happens when we get this team out of San Marcos because uh, they were so good at home. And, uh, you know, Jake gives up a run in the first inning, gives up a run in the second inning. Cajuns have a bases loaded, nobody out situation and don't get anything. And I'm saying, okay, against this team, that's not good. And then Schultz just slams the door, you know, and Tyler Robertson, uh, you know, hits the two-run homer to tie it. Deggs gives him a green light on 3-0. and He hits another one out. And really, Schultz just got better as he went along. And the crazy thing was, in the last couple innings, it's like they went very, very quietly. He was so totally in command. And I've been watching Jake pitch now. Uh, this is his, uh, his fourth year with the team. And um, I don't know that I've ever seen his slider as good as it was uh, in the game against Texas State. The only other time was maybe in the 2019 season where he came on and I think went three and a third innings in relief against LSU in the Wally Pontiff Classic and just cut him up. Um, I've got to go back to then, the last time I saw him with a slider that good. If he's got that slider working, he can beat anybody. And... um, He's just such a mentally tough dude, man. You know, and he he doesn't look the part because he kind of walks around, he smiles all the time, and just and but he is a very mentally tough kid. And um, you know, his he, he comes from a retired military family. Okay, so that's the kind of upbringing he had, and he was just uh, he was just superb. I you know, I've I've stood and applauded on the radio a pitcher's performance twice in thirty years. Zach Osborne um, against Rice in the NCAA regional in 2010 when he beat Anthony Rendon and Rice one to nothing, mm-hmm. and then Schultz's performance the other night. I I saved those because I, I, I don't do that, but I I had to do that Saturday. That was just an amazing performance. 
Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Jay, talk to me about Kyle DeBarge. 7 for 12 in the tournament. Played great defense throughout the, the weekend. You know, his hitting was, you know, peaks and valleys throughout the year. But for it to be at a peak in May, how big is that? Well, you know, when you have a freshman, Matt, you'll see a lot of times see a freshman come in and, and really start hot. Well, then scouting reports get out. And, you know, then, you know, you, you, they figure out how to pitch the freshman. And then, you know, the freshman goes through a, a, a stretch where, you know, maybe he's not as good. And then the freshman learns to make adjustments. And then he becomes good again. And I think that's what happened with DeBarge. Um, he, was, he was hitting great. I think the... I think the slump. I think there was maybe a little pressure him hitting in the three hole as much as he did, but um, you know he he had a he had a little rut, and then he came out of the rut. the The one thing that we've learned about Kyle DeBarge is the moment's not too big for that kid, and it's been that way since he set foot on campus. You know, he's another one. First of all, he's got an incredible will to win, and he is he's one of those whatever it takes guys. And there's a lot of them on this team. But for him to come in that way, you can tell he played at Barb, man, and and he just he just came in with that attitude from the very start. Um, you know his he's just he's just a special one, and you know when uh, you know early in the fall last fall, I asked I asked Coach Deggs about him, and he said. He said the kid, the kid is just going to be, he's going to be a star, and um, hmm, he kind of is. Yeah, he he definitely is. Just the way that he is able to come up in in clutch situations and deliver time and time again is what really stands out to me. And another guy that we've been talking about that knows how to deliver at the right time is Will Veon, and he did it without question on Sunday in the championship game with that with that RBI base hit to score the go-ahead run, you know, and, and to do it on his birthday, no less. I mean, what a, what a treat for that young man. Yeah, it, it was. And, and, you know, I've gotten to know Will's parents a little bit, you know, Will's dad is from uh, the North side of Lafayette. Uh, Mom is from, you know, below rain on the way to Kaplan. And that's, that's where they live. And, you know, they're they're two of the friendliest, nicest people that that you're probably ever going to meet in your life. And you know, Will, look, they had to call on him. Let's let's remember that they called on Will to hit in the leadoff spot when Marshak got hurt, mm-hmm. and and I thought he performed admirably overall. And then then he hurt his hand, his wrist, and was playing in a lot of pain, and his uh, his batting average kind of took a nosedive. And they sat him for a while and continued to, to work on him. And then he had the game against Nichols where he hit the two home runs. Um, and, and we joked about it. And we said, that, you know, Will hadn't been playing. And he goes out and he hits, you give him a start, he hits two home runs. And I said to Matt, I said, he, I, I said, he sent you a message. Did you get it? And he laughed. He said, yeah, I got it. But yet, he was going to pinch hit for him in that, in that spot on Sunday. Um, and he walked up to him and he said, I- I'm going to hit CJ for you right now. And Will looked at him and he said, no, you're not. 
And Matt said, what? And he said, look, it's my birthday. I'm ready. I'm going to get this done. And Deggs looked at him and patted him on the butt and said, okay, it's on you. And the kid hits one in the gap and wins the game. How cool is that? That's that's fantastic. I love that. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. All right, Jay, I'm going to ask you a question that might make you get a little emotional, but I have to ask it. Sunday's championship win being win number 36 and the last out being recorded at 4.36 p.m. That's not a coincidence, right? There's no such thing as coincidence, Matt. I, I you know, as a as a person who professes professes to be a Christian, I've always said that coincidence was invented by a, by a man who needed Jesus, and um, I, I just I don't believe in him. I, I just don't. And when I got that text from Colleen, and 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 the crazy thing was that's that's who sent it to us. Colleen sent Brad and I a text that said the last out was made at 4.36. And I looked at the text and said to myself, of course it was. Right. Of course it was, right? Um, it was a very emotional day from the very beginning. Uh, and I go back to Tim Perrin, uh, Austin's dad. You know, five years with the program, loved Coach Robe. Uh has a has a shirt and Tim's a big man. He wears a four XL, okay, and he had a shirt made that had nothing but the number thirty six on it. And after the game Saturday, I saw him and he was crying. and And he came up and he hugged me and he said, "We're going to win this tomorrow. I'm going to wear my thirty six shirt and we're going to win this tomorrow." And then I saw him at breakfast and he was still really emotional. And to watch him during the game, he kept changing seats and was sitting by himself, and sometimes he was sitting with his head down. And um, But that's the kind of emotion that was permeated through the Cajun travel party on Sunday. And, you know, I'm not – I ain't proud. You know, I'll go, I'll go ahead and tell you what happened. I signed off, and I had trouble. I had trouble signing off. But I signed off, and we got off the air. And I took off my headsets, and Brad, by that time, was back up in the booth, and I went up, and I hugged him, and I just ugly cried. And um, I have never reacted in, I mean, what have I done, 1,800 baseball games? I've never reacted after a game like that. But that's how emotional it was. And, and part of it, but Robe was only part of it. It was Coach Deggs coming into this program with a vow that he was going to restore it to what it was and catching a lot of grief from fans. And I don't blame the fans because if you're under the age of 40, all you know about college baseball is what you learned from Rope. And so when he didn't butt in this situation or he stole here or he took a chance here and it didn't work, it was like, what's this guy doing? He doesn't know how to coach. Well, yeah, he did, but what he did was showed everybody that there's a different way to coach and still be successful, and I was so happy for him. That was part of my emotion after the game, too. And the other is, you know, what I do, one of the, one of the blessings that I get is I get to forge relationships with players, with parents. And when I thought about Tim Perrin, and big Brandon Talley, and um, 
uh, Dustin and Kelly Brandon, Jonathan's parents, and uh, and and the Brocks because we may lose Julian because he. I think there's a good chance he's going to get drafted, and and they get to have another week. That's what all that. My emotion that came out was all of that. It was it. It wasn't just Robe, but it was also the rest of it because. Just as this team is, is as tight knit a team as I've ever been around, the, 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 the parents that, that have traveled with these kids and the financial investment that they've made, and now these kids are seniors or in their last year, this is an emotional time for them as well. And so that's, that's what all that was about. It was, it was a stupid emotional day. Um, and after I had my little cry, I was fine. Um, but it was, Man, uh, it, it is probably the most emotional day I've had as a broadcaster. I even more so than that last day at the 2000 Super Regional against South Carolina. This was probably even more emotional, and I didn't think anything could doubt that. I don't know if you could have told a better story, Jay Walker. I got one more for you. Um, give me your thoughts on this regional. You know, TCU, Texas A and M, and um. Why am I drawing a blank? Oral Roberts. Oral, Oral Roberts. Thank you. I've looked at the bracket a hundred times. Walk me, walk me through this regional. And what do the Cajuns have to do to to outlast TCU and A and M? <laughs> just figure it out. You know, just find a way. You know, the number two seed is the regular season Big Twelve champion. This is the first time ever that the regular season Big Twelve champion doesn't host a regional. So. Your number two seed is a very formidable opponent. Uh, your number one seed is one of the best stories in college baseball. Texas A&M last year didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament, and now they're a national seed. Uh, there is no question, as good a year that Tennessee's had, to me there's no question that, that Schlossnagel is the, is the national coach of the year this year. Um, it's, it's a very formidable regional. Is it the toughest regional? No, I don't think so. I think the Florida regional is very tough. And I'll tell you what, we didn't do Texas State any favors at all with them getting sent out to Palo Alto with UC Santa Barbara and Stanford. Yeah. My goodness. You know, and, 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 and look, here's a little funny for you. We're sitting there Sunday night, and we're talking about where are we going? Well, you know, Scott and Lisa Coit are both Aggies, so they're saying, we're going to College Station. We're going to College Station. Some folks saying. We go to Hattiesburg. Jay, where do you want to go? I said, send me to Palo Alto. I don't care. You know, we're back in a regional. I don't care where they send us. And then they send Texas State out there. <laughs> um, look, this is this is a tough regional. Um, and at the same time, the Cajuns played a three-game series with with TCU last year. Uh, won one of the three games. All three games were competitive. And um, so the Cajuns, I think, are... Um, you know, I, I think they're going to be ready to play. Um, they're they're going to have to play extremely well, but I think we saw over the weekend what they're capable of. Uh, I am certainly not going to count this group out. I think this group is special. I, I think that the storyline with Matt Deggs going back to Texas A&M is certainly not lost on me. Uh, and um, I, I think this is going to be fun. Look, we, we may be there... Friday night, Saturday morning, head home Saturday night. Who knows? Or maybe we maybe we stay a while. 
they're going to have to play, like I said, extremely good baseball. But I don't think this team's going to be overmatched, Matt. I, I, I think this team is going to give themselves a chance if they play really well. But that's the key. Jay, appreciate you as always, my friend. Uh, have a great time in College Station. And uh, who knows, we'll be talking next week. All right, thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajuns Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Today is the day you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you're going to get the chance to enter to win tremendous gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouthwatering steaks cooked to absolute perfection, tremendous sides, and so much more. The only way to get that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's is by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. We'll do a quick check-in on the poll question before we head out for our number one. Who has the best chance of winning their NCAA regional this weekend? Is it UL? 32.4% say yes. Is it LSU? 61% has the Tigers. 5% has La Tech. And 2% has Southeastern. Our number one come and gone. Hour number two on the other side, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Mr. Keith Gill, is going to join us to talk about the Sunbelt Tournament and the four Sunbelt teams in the NCAA Regionals. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Louisiana Agent Cajuns winning the Sun Belt Conference Tournament in dramatic fashion, taking down Georgia Southern 7-6 to after a 5-0 deficit led to a comeback and the go-ahead run in the top of the ninth. They now head to the NCAA Tournament along with three other schools from the Sun Belt Conference. To talk about that, the conference tournament and the overall state of the conference is the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Mr. Keith Gill. Commissioner Gill, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. How are you? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing great, and uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate um, the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, really, really appreciate you taking the time. You know, let's start with the conference tournament in Montgomery this past week. You know, Mother Nature really getting in the way um, turned it into a single elimination tournament. Walk me through the the conversations with the coaches to to really turn that tournament from a double elimination to a single elimination. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I do think it's always hard when you're trying to change your tournament format like on the fly. You know, so I think you know it's a it's a tough conversation, but I think the coaches for the most part understood um, why we 
thought that might make some sense and um, and when we produced the plan. So, you know, it, it wasn't like there was universal support. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you get, you know, that many people in the room for any discussion, you're going to have, you know, some who support option A or option B or option C, and this was no different. But I do think we came to a good conclusion that would, you know, accommodate the weather that was happening at the time, accommodating the weather that was forecasted, and then also trying to make sure we had a proper rest to set ourselves up for success um, when we get to the NCAA tournament. Now, more specifically, looking at Louisiana's journey, a 9-1 to win over South Alabama, a 3-2 to win over the top-seeded Texas State, and then the 7-6 to win over Georgia Southern in the championship. For the Cajuns to win the conference the way they did and put themselves back in the postseason for the first time since 2016, what does that show about the strength of the conference? Yeah, you know, I, I think it shows a lot about the strength of the conference. You know, when you think about, um, you know, where we're seated in the NCAA tournament, um, just how deep our conference is, you know, the fact that we've got four teams um, in the postseason. So, and and I think it just shows when you look at how everyone's seated. We don't have any four seeds. We've got a national seed. We've got someone hosting. Um, everyone's being given, you know, an opportunity to play and has earned uh, a kind of spot in the tournament that, that shows that they have respect for the baseball being played. So I think, um, I, I think obviously what Louisiana did, you know, the pitching performance on Saturday night, you know, and also the hitting performance, you know, two home runs, 148 pitch complete game, um, when you had to have it. Um, and then obviously, you know, to get down five runs. Um, and then come back and win the game, you know, in the ninth inning shows the kind of scrappiness and the talent that Louisiana has. So it's great. You know, Sunbelt is a deep baseball conference, and, um, and I think Louisiana has, um, has proven that. Chatting with the Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, you touched on the four teams being in the NCAA regional Texas State Coastal, Louisiana, and then Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern being the 16 national seed, hosting a regional for the first time. To have a Sunbelt program hosting a regional, kind of the same question, you know, just the the conference, you know, from a representation standpoint, a, a team being a regional host is massive, right? Oh, yes. Um, and actually, you know, massive could be an understatement, right? I mean, it really, it really means a lot and shows the strength of our conference, um, particularly, it, you know, and obviously Georgia Southern has been in that conversation all year. You know, they really had a great season, certainly have earned it. You know, but the, the thing about the conference or a conference that's important is, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, you know, and so Georgia State can't do it. Georgia Southern can't do it on its own. Um, part of it was having quality competition within the conference, in their conference schedule, allows them to continue win, continue to pick up big wins that really supports their ability to host. So I really do think the entire conference from a baseball perspective is reflected in Georgia State's hosting because, or Georgia Southern's hosting. God, I'm going to get crushed. You know, I said that I had that Freudian slip twice on, on the state and Southern, but Georgia Southern hosting really is a reflective of how deep the entire conference is because at the end of the day, you've got to beat quality teams and the conference set up with all of our, you know, great RPIs across our baseball programs to allow them to have quality wins throughout the conference schedule. Now, staying on the topic of baseball, the conference has approved uh, instant replay starting next year. You know, 
how did that conversation come about and how long was that process to, to really nail down that decision? Yeah, you know what? So we had begun talking about that before COVID. You know, I, I got to think that if COVID hadn't hit, you know, we might have already had instant replay, to be honest with you. But, you know, when COVID hit, we kind of put those um, conversations on the shelves. And then obviously now that we're kind of moving into a different part, you know, we've resurrected it. So I do think it was um, a, a pretty easy conversation in the sense of baseball is so important to us, really baseball and softball. You know, we're going to do it in both sports. Um, you, you know, and so we're going to continue to invest in the sports um, because, you know, that's how you continue to improve. That's how you can continue to get better. And you certainly see in some of the non-conference landscapes, you know, some of the teams that are really important to us to play in our region, you know, instant replay is really important. So it's just another investment for us continuing to stay at the top of the baseball, really, and softball, you know, kind of space. And, um, and, and I think it's an important next step for us as we, you know, continue to, um, yeah, just show how important or just how prominent, you know, and how strong our, our programs are in both of those sports. Chatting with the commissioner of the Sunbelt, Keith Gill. Commissioner, you know, looking ahead to, to next year, four teams joining the Sunbelt, Marshall, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and James Madison – you know, a couple of those schools, especially Southern Miss, they're also a, a regional host this year. Already a strong baseball and softball conference, but adding those four schools just brings it to another level. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you think about it, so Southern Miss is a national seed and a host. So obviously, you know, that's a strong baseball program, strong tradition. And really getting that, you know, that's going to be a great rivalry, the Southern Miss and Louisiana. It already is a great rivalry, but now that it'll be within the conference, those are going to be great weekend series that fans will love. Um, and then ODU was one of the last four outs, you know, and so they just missed the, um, the NCAA tournament. Um, so, so, yes, I mean, you think about it, you know, having kind of six programs that were right there, you know, five of them in the tournament, one first four out. And then the other quality baseball, whether it's, you know, South Alabama and some of the other baseball programs, JMU historically has been, you know, pretty good baseball. So uh, a, a very good baseball league is, is going to get much better. And we're really excited about that. And I would say the same for softball. Commissioner, talk to me about the overall health of the Sun Belt. I mean, with, with baseball being as strong as it is, softball had a good showing, football right around the corner. You know, what, what's happening in the league offices in New Orleans right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, we're just, you know, we're excited about the momentum. You know, you think, obviously, Raging Cajun's got the longest winning streak in FBS football right now. Still going, right? Um, and so, and so, you know, our football is, is, is in a really great spot, and we want to keep growing that. You know, we're going to have a great men's soccer league, you know, just right off the start, um, which, is, which is really outstanding. We do, we are going to focus a little bit on basketball. We want to get better. And men's and women's basketball, we just think that, you know, there's no reason that our basketball can't reflect the quality that our softball and our baseball do. So we're going to spend some time really, you know, kind of taking a deep dive and trying to dive down on that. But then obviously, you know, we're really excited about our championship in basketball and, and where that's headed. And then obviously, you know, baseball and softball that we talked about. So a lot of optimism in the league, getting ready for um, football media day, getting ready for um, the integration of our four new schools. And I'm just a lot of excitement around here for the Sun Belt and where we're headed. Last question I have for you, Commissioner, is you know the the NCAA 
releasing the the guidelines that they did a few weeks ago on NIL, you know, kind of cracking down on the the rules and the regulations of NIL. Where do you stand on all that? Do you think that NIL is hurting the the game, you know, touch on that topic? Yeah, you know, I, I think NIL as a concept is 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 great. You know, I, I do think you know, giving students the opportunity to kind of earn based on their name, image, and likeness is something I support. I think where it gets difficult is how it's being used in recruiting, how it's being used for transfers. And when it becomes kind of pay-to-play, people are earning things that might be beyond their value in terms of what they are, what they, what they, what they would produce just so they can go and play. And that's not really what it was intended to do. So I do think we need to find a way to, to have some guardrails I do think the NCAA needs to start enforcing, you know, inducement rules that are already on the books um, and, and, and just move forward in that way. So I'm supportive of it generally, but we certainly need to make some modifications because right now, you know, there's a little bit of craziness going on in terms of just the pay for play and the things that we're reading in public where you've got boosters. It's not even institutions. You've got boosters running around saying, hey, you know, I'm going to pay this guy X number or I'm going to pay this person X dollars to come to my school. And that's not right on, you know, on any level. The commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Keith Gill, has joined us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Commissioner Gill, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really appreciate the insight into the conference tournament and the upcoming regionals. And we look forward to talking to you again as football gets closer. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. And obviously, good luck to the Cajuns um, when they head to College Station, so hopefully they can get a few wins there and um, advance to the Super Regional. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Commissioner. Thanks so much. Take care. There he goes, the Commissioner of the Sun Belt Conference, Mr. Keith Gill. All right, we got a busy second hour. Uh, just had Commissioner Gill on. Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU is going to join us in about 15 minutes to discuss the last week or so of the Houston Astros. James and I are going to talk NBA on the other side, NHL. I mean, we got a we got a busy busy second hour, but before we do that, as a reminder, on June 22nd, it's the game's birthday. And this is going to be your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey again Wednesday. June 22nd. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and of course, your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Me, James, Jordy, RP3, Kevin Foote, we're all going to be there. Come have a great time with us from 4 to 9. B-Dubs on Ambassador Wednesday, June 22nd for the game's 10th birthday bash. Take a time out right here. When we return, James and I will dive deep into the NBA Finals and what you can expect from that series starting Thursday night in the Bay. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 
crunch time with me guys and mesh on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros in southwest louisiana matt miguez james mesh 19 minutes after five o'clock james you you your vocal cords feeling relaxed it's been like 35 minutes since you got to talk yeah i'm fine you good because you, you about to talk a lot <laughs> You better um, just literally just have me be, just take over the next 15 minutes. Hey, man. Celtics and Heat, game seven. Miami outscoring Boston in the fourth quarter, yet Boston still finds a way to win. Probably shouldn't have turned off my mic. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I was, I was trying to do something else. Now, like I said, that, that whole game itself was frustrating to watch not just as someone who likes the Celtics but as a basketball fan myself because you can feel the energy you could feel that Boston came to play Jimmy Butler was the only one that mainly came to play with the first I'd say two and a half three quarters because Bam finally got it together in the fourth but when it came down to it I mean it, it was just Jimmy Butler and other than a couple of Max Struess buckets and Kyle Lowry obviously hitting a couple. It, it just felt like it was mainly the Jimmy Butler show, and other than him and them getting calls, Boston should have just ran away with it. Yeah. But it just felt like they couldn't because you got a weird call here. You got a weird call there where if you're really watching it, you kind of got that feeling like, that's odd. I mean... I guess I could see it how you would call it, but that one that one doesn't all the way make sense to me, Chief. That one ain't it. I got yeah, I got Kyle Lowry going backwards before he's even hit. He's still moving. And then he gets then he gets hit like trying to collision, trying to draw a charge. They call it. They call an offensive foul. But as soon as you see someone like Marcus Smart do it to either Jimmy or another Heat player, it's a blocking foul. Right. Anytime Grant Williams goes straight up, arm straight, foul on Grant. But if you see a, co a contest, it's it's a, it's, right, it's, right. It's a block for Miami. Now, you did see a couple of them, and that's why I'm not saying the refs were totally on, on the Heat. It was more the fact that they didn't want a blowout going either way. As soon as you felt like maybe there's some momentum, they could run away with this and like take a 10-point advantage, 10-15 point lead, and run away with it late, it just felt like they made a call to go the other way. That way they stopped the momentum and wouldn't let that happen. They wanted it to be a close game. They didn't want to see another 40-point blowout right. like we saw with the Mavs and Suns. For sure. For sure. Looking at the statistics, I've got a couple questions for you. Because I was I was tied up with family Sunday night and I didn't get to watch the game. Okay. Bam out of bio with twenty five points. Where the hell did that come from? I had been waiting for that all all series. I thought he would have been a force doing that the whole time. That's what really caught me off guard was you see games like game two, game four, game five, even game six, where where, like, he's not doing anything. But then when it comes to, like, game two and game seven, he just, this is, like, this is what Miami needs 
for them to take it to the next level and go back to the finals and potentially win it. Yeah. He went 12 of 21. And then he you, got boards. He made plays defensively. It's like, where, where has this been all series, Bam? And, and then you got 35 from Jimmy Butler, which was a good sight to see considering he's been battling injuries all series. And then you got 15 out of Kyle Lowry. Like, in a normal game, those three guys combined for 75, you probably win. You probably win. Yes. Except the rest of the team only gave you 21. But you also expect Max Struess to have about 13, 14. Right. He you eight. expect PJ to have around the 5, 6, 7 range. So that's another and then, 10 or so points. And then here's another big question Just I have. Just by itself. Tyler Hero only playing 7 minutes? He played it all in the first half. The whole second half he didn't play. Duncan Robinson not seeing the floor at all? I think that what I gives. I think they're going to move at this point. I thought after the blowout in game 3 or no, game 4. I thought their last 3 games, I thought they were going to lean on him and Struce like having them be the shooters. Maybe don't have Kyle Lowry on on the floor as much or maybe take out well you need PJ, but so you mainly have Bam, Duncan, Tyler, Struess, and Butler. I thought that would have been the lineup they go with. That way you have shooting on both sides. You got defense by Bam. Or you can switch it out with Tucker. And then you have Jimmy and Tyler to handle the ball and score and make plays. And then and then PJ getting zero points in 17 minutes of work certainly didn't help you. No. that That's, that's a 12-point swing right there. If if they get their usual, because you're not asking PJ to score a bunch, but at least get something. But no, he goes 0 for 3 from the field, and two of them were from behind the arc. And his only sass he had was a couple boards, a block, but he had two turnovers. Right. Plus he, minus his minus, 16. Yeah, minus 16. And then and then for the Celtics, I mean, you get 26 out of Tatum, which is which is solid. Which not, yeah, solid. It's not what you expected. It's not great shooting numbers either. Nine of 21. That's not great. No, but it, his shots he made when it counted in the fourth. He uh, made he made three or four clutch shots. Ten boards, six assists. You got 14 boards out of Al Horford. And then you got 24 points apiece from Smart and Brown. That which, was huge. Which this is, this is the thing with Smart, which is why people don't necessarily like – Marcus shooting too much because he'll shoot 10 threes. He'll make two or three of them one day, but then there's another game where he shoots only seven, but he makes five of them. So it's like you have to live and die with his shot selection and then just him being able to make it because he's not super consistent. But the fact that he makes the defensive plays and he eventually, even though he takes, even though he took literally the most shots, he took one more than Tatum and Tatum at 21. Yep. The fact that he took 22 of them, only made eight, was three for 10 from behind the arc. He was 30%. He still got to 24, so you live with it. You got it. It it just sucks, honestly, because you wish he would take maybe five, six less shots. I'll live with two less makes, but if you take six less shots and maybe dish it earlier and try to find Tatum and have him try to create a shot, or Jalen to make a catch and shoot, or throw it to Grant, have him cut. I mean, that'd be great, but I mean, hey, at the end of the day, you'll take 24. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. It's not the best. 
It, but it's it's about uh, it was thirty. I think it's about thirty six percent. Eight for twenty two. Yeah, which is not the worst. You'll take it. Five for six from behind the arc. Got nine boards. Got some assists. Made two steals. Only had one turnover. With as much as he has the ball in his hands. All right. So Thursday night, NBA Finals game one. Celtics dubs. You going? Ticket prices aren't that bad. <laughs> going to Cali? Yeah, ticket prices aren't that bad. Tickets as low as $526. Oh, wow. That's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, no, I will not be traveling to Cali. <laughs> so let me ask you, what do the what do the Celtics... I mean, obviously, you know, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Jordan Poole. What's the game plan? Because you're going to have to take one in San Francisco out of these first two. You're going to have to. No doubt. Um, so what, what's the game plan to get that done and go back to Boston with, at worst, a split? I would say the way you really don't have to change much at all. You stay with your, your usual switch defense. Golden State likes to move the ball around a lot. So if you can keep going with that, it works. Draymond and Kevon Looney, they're going to set screens, but, I mean, everybody does. I mean, there's really not a lot you have to to change. You already have your system in place. You have your base. You, you do a lot of switches. It all just kind of depends on the matchups. Like, does Peyton... Pritchard work a little more throughout the series, or will it be Derek White? Will it be, do you need to have Grant on the floor, or does Robert Williams have to play about 30 minutes a night even though he is an injury risk? It, it kind of depends more on the matchups. The thing on offense, just don't be stagnant. Yeah, Dish the ball. So you, You'll see sometimes they'll look for a matchup, and it comes down to it. There's five seconds left, and it's like, you didn't get the matchup, and now you just have to chuck up a bad shot. Right. That's that's the only thing is stop trying to find and look so hard for one. If there's not one by the by the fourteen second mark left of the shot clock, or like you're you're fourteen seconds in, like you gotta do something else. Make a couple passes, maybe have ISO with like the final three seconds with Tatum or Jalen, but you can't be down to five seconds and be like. Ah, and now you get trapped, and then you have to either throw it to the corner, turnover, or someone takes a bad shot, and it looks bad on the stats. Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. Um, what's your prediction for the series overall? Series overall, I hate to do it, but ultimately, since this is the first time anybody, pretty much on the organization for the Celtics, has gone to the finals and. Golden State, they still have their core in Clay, in Steph, and in Draymond. The fact that they got them and they have the experience, they've been to it. This will be their sixth. I, I, I got to lean towards Golden State. Games wise, my initial thought is six because if you get to, if you somehow get to seven, the only time Jason Tatum's ever lost a game seven was his rookie year to LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's true. That's interesting. I've got Celtics in six. You have Celtics in six. I've got Celtics in six. The kiss of death. <laughs> is, that what, is that what I am? I'm the kiss of death? 
I mean, I remember you. I remember Game Six uh, Friday. You were like, "Yeah, they're they're going to close it out." And then what happened? We had an extra game. Well, that doesn't. That's not my fault. I'm not the only person that said the Celtics were going to close it out that night. You're not. But I know you've had a you've you've had a few run-ins where you guarantee a win and then it goes the other way. Well, Celtics and six. I think they're hot. I think Jason Tatum is going to to carry them. Not to mention the. Not to mention, I, I remember, like I said before, the there have been a couple of people with tattoos. Yeah, with the twenty twenty two NBA. So yeah, that that, that curse does help. not help. Um, but I I think the biggest thing in this series is that. Golden State has proven time and time again, especially in these playoffs, they have a lot of weaknesses. And their X factor is going to be Andrew Wiggins. I was going to say, it's either Wiggins or Poole. It, it's Andrew Wiggins. If he doesn't show up, you know, because he's, he's got the tendency to just, you know, fall by the wayside. If he does that, Boston and six, no question. Now, if he shows up and scores, you know, 15 a game, in addition to what, Curry and Thompson are doing, yeah, you might have a series. Here's the only thing, though. And I know that's contradictive to what I just said and me saying I think Warriors went at six, but who have the Warriors played defensively so far these playoffs that that are this high rated? Because Nobody. Celtics, yeah, they took on Brooklyn, but they don't have a defense. But Milwaukee and Miami? Now that's defense. Yeah. So this this will be nothing new because the defense for the Warriors is underrated. But for Golden State wise, they played they played the Mavericks, who not very good of a defense. They played and they played Denver in the first round. It was Denver the first round. They're okay on defense. I think it's they're more middle of the road. And then Memphis, they're nothing special either. So it's like they haven't had the challenge of having to face a top-tier defense yep. this whole postseason. So I, that's another thing that really will determine a lot. Yeah, no no doubt about it. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's has some of the best boiled crawfish, but they also serve boiled shrimp and boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood options, pull boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game Clubhouse 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score that $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. We'll take a time out right here when we return. Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU will join us on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. James, where are we sending the folks? To the moon. Yes, sir. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Minkas and Mesh. Let's go to the moon, shall we? Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston joins us. Brian, my guy, what's going on, dude? How are you? Man, it was a long Memorial Day weekend filled with nothing but baseball for myself. So to be honest with you, I am exhausted. 
But the Astros are back in action tonight, so I'm looking forward to watching the game. How is everything with you guys? Man, absolutely copacetic. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So let's let's dive into this, man. Four games through the road trip so far. Two and two. You, you got a win over the Mariners on the back half of that series. And then you, you started the series with the A's absolutely red hot yesterday. Alvarez hitting two long balls. What was what was the total distance? Nine hundred and thirteen feet. Yeah, I was going to say it was just right below a thousand feet. I know one of them was four hundred and sixty nine feet. I mean, one hundred and ten off the bat or something crazy like that. It's really good to see him, you know, continue to smash baseballs because one of the big topics here in Houston. I mean, it's not even a big topic in Houston. Actually, I, I take that back. It's the topic among uh, people in Major League Baseball. Is is there a dead baseball floating around? From what I saw with Jordan Alvarez, the the dead baseball might not be in Oakland this weekend. This week, I don't know. Yeah, he was he was definitely launching them. I mean, four sixty nine, and then he followed it up with a four forty four for his fourteenth homer of the season. And then you also had Jose Altuve go deep with a two run homer in the fifth, which was I found interesting. He tied him with George Springer for the fifth fifth most ever by an Astros player. Yeah, fifth fifth most all time. And what's even more interesting with that stat is that it's George Springer that's fifth overall uh, or fifth all-time tied with Altuve. George Springer, when he was an Astro, um, was a very um, unorthodox leadoff guy, and A.J. Hinch kind of caught some some flack because of it, especially in that World Series run. George Springer was struggling tremendously, and he would not remove him from the leadoff spot. So to see that Altuve, for as long as his career has been here in Houston, to tie George Springer, it's it's a it's a stat that you really you know you really wouldn't think that it would be George Springer. I know with with Altuve, over his last ten games, I was looking up some of his stats. You ready for this stat line? He's ten for thirty five with um, let's see, ten for thirty five, two doubles, two home runs, and three RBIs. So he's red hot. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That is yeah, uh, that's an impressive. Uh, he's doing it well, and it's a really welcome sight because we. We talked about it on this segment uh, over uh, about a month or so ago when he started out. He was extremely uh, sluggish and and didn't didn't swing it well. Then he got hurt, came back from the IL, and he's and he's gotten he's returned to form. So it's it's a welcome sight for him. Yeah, no no question about it. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU joining us here on To the Moon. Brian, let's talk about Framber, a complete yeah. game two hitter. I mean. <sighs> We, we, we've talked time and time again this year about how good Framber has been, but for an MLB pitcher, complete games don't come around very often nowadays. No, they, they don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's very rare, like you said. I mean, to get a pitcher through seven innings, seven full innings these days is, is uh, a, a piece of work. And for Framber to do what Framber has done this year, it's, he comes out and he dominates, and then he looks so-so, and then he turns it around, and then he dominates, and then he has a mediocre outing. And what we saw from him yesterday, if you can get that every single time from Framber Valdez, that's your bona fide number two for the Astros, right behind Justin Verlander. A complete game, I think he gave up, what, two hits? And no runs, didn't walk very many guys. I mean, just what a – can't say enough things about – enough good things about Framber Valdez in that outing, man. I mean, just absolutely what the doctor ordered for the Astros to get back on the winning track after a so-so um, 
a so-so road trip to Seattle. I know they finally got one on, I believe it was uh, Sunday, and you know, got got into Oakland, and then you get that outing from Framber Valdez. Man, just I, I really hope that we consistently see that from him. And then you know, looking at the series, the game tonight, you know, Christian Javier going up against Frankie Montas. You know, what's what's your thoughts on that pitching matchup? So with with um, with Christian Javier, I, I think. I'm a big fan of Christian Javier being in the in the rotation. If Lance McCullers comes back, and that's a big if, you know, and like we talked about last week on this segment, is who's going to get the bump? Who is going to come off out of the rotation and into back into the bullpen? I think Christian Javier needs to stay in the rotation. But for me, is can Christian Javier get through five six innings? He's got the stuff, but is, is he still stretched out just yet from coming out of his bullpen role? to be into the starting rotation and get through five or six. So that, that's what I kind of look for tonight as he continues to progress as a starter in this rotation. Is Justin Verlander in the Cy Young conversation in your eyes? I mean, he's I know it's early. The, he's leading the Cy Young conversation. That, that guy, I mean, yeah, so what? He got roughed up against, uh, against the Mariners. Um, yeah, he gave up a couple of bombs here and there, but it just shows that he's human. I'm sure he's going to go back. He'll look at footage. He'll he'll uh, talk to pitching coaches. He'll talk to whoever he has to talk to, and we're going to see him back out on the mound, and he's going to dominate once again. In my opinion, he is the front runner for Cy Young right now. So the, uh, I found a Cy Young predictor, and, and according to the Cy Young predictor as it stands right now, Verlander leads it, and Framber is third. Yeah, that's that's not bad. I mean – so that was another discussion that we have uh, at, at Apollo HOU, and you can, you know, on, on our Beyond the Diamond podcast for uh, Apollo Podcast Network, you know, we, we talked about early in the season is if you can get Verlander to return to form, which, which basically we've seen, and if you can get Framber to stay consistent and, and be able to con- have the command, you could very easily see two 20-game winners on this staff just like they had when it was Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole a couple of years ago. Both of those guys were 20-game winners. Justin Verlander won the Cy Young. Garrett Cole was second. So if we see it from Framber, I would not be be surprised if both of those guys were one and two in the Cy Young votes and and both have 20-game winners. I think the – Starting rotation for the Astros has a has an ERA of like two point five right now, which is insane. That that is insane. That's an unreal statistic. Yeah, it's it's something. I know it's sub three, and I want to say it's it, it's like two point five four or two point four five. I may have the number switch. I don't have that exact number right in front of me, but I do know it's below three as the starting rotation. Brian Lima of Apollo HOU joining us here on To the Moon. Brian, I got two more questions for you. Five games left in the road trip. You got two more in Oakland tonight and tomorrow, and then you finish off the week in Kansas City. Justin Verlander going tomorrow for the Strohs. You know what do you what are your expectations out of this last five of the road trip? Well, I guess when you when you look at Oakland, they're obviously down. Um, they've traded away everybody. They can't even get three four thousand people in that stadium, which is. Um, which sucks for the, the city of Oakland and, and the fans of the Oakland A's. I'll just put that out there. Um, the Astros should not lose one game to Oakland this season. They should win every single game against Oakland in the NL, or I'm sorry, the AL West. And then they should go into Kansas City and they should do the same thing. 
they should take every game from Kansas City because Kansas City might be as bad as Oakland. So for Justin, when it comes to Justin Verlander, again, like I said a, you know, a couple of minutes ago, Verlander got roughed up. Okay, so what? He's human. I think he's 6-2 and two on the year. Return, uh, or, you know, get back on the mound, fix some things. I, uh, one of the things that, that I saw from Verlander in that outing against Seattle was he left a lot of pitches up. He didn't have uh, the sharpness of the curveball. Um, the changeup really wasn't there. So it's just an off night. Just get back out there and do what Justin Verlander does. Command the fastball, drop off your curveball, locate, and you should be absolutely fine. So I expect, you know, pretty much what we've seen all season is is a fastball up in the 96, 97, 98 range, dropping off Uncle Charlie's left and right, and and they'll go in and get a W behind uh, JV. One more for you, man. Roger Clemens spent a lot of time playing for the Houston Astros. Now his son Cody is getting called up to the MLB with the Detroit Tigers. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on the Rockets' son in the MLB? Yeah, so I've actually so I coached the Banditos baseball program here in in Houston. Uh, the facilities over in Tomball. I've been a part of the Banditos program uh, since 2010. And Clemens, Cody Clemens, was actually both Casey and Cody were both members of really really good 16 and 17 new teams in our organization. So I've been around Cody and and some of the other brothers for a long time while they're getting that while they were going through high school and up through college and and I've seen them work and I've helped coach some of their practices I've had other teams while they were there so it's no it's not surprising um, he's a really talented player he's coaching he's going to be he has a manager in, in AJ Hinch which is arguably in my opinion one of the top two managers in Major League Baseball with Dusty Baker being one let's put that out there first and then AJ Hinch is number two. Um, so it's not surprising. I mean, the Clemens name, they have such good athletes in that family. Um, and, and Cody is just another one. And I'm, I'm really happy for, for him, um, to get his big break and we'll see, we'll see what he does with it. And we'll see how long he stays up for, for Detroit. They got a good one in him. Fantastic. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU. Appreciate you taking the time, my man. Have a great week. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Sounds good. Enjoy it every Tuesday, boys. Y'all, y'all take care. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Go yard this last day of May with $5 Dinger Tuesdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. This season, all customers will get $5 for every home run hit by both teams when you place a $25 to hit a home run wager on Tuesday MLB games. And the best part about Dinger Tuesdays is even if your bet loses, FanDuel will pay you $5 for every home run. My home run pick has to be Aaron Judge. He's been crushing it lately and at the moment is sitting comfortably at the league's leader by four. So what are you waiting for? Pick your home run hitter and turn big swings into big wins. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Head over to your FanDuel account or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Bonus issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. The max bonus is $25. The restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and would like some help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 
Aaron Judge has 18 home runs? Yeah. That's impressive. It's only, we're only, what, 40 games into the year? So that's a home run every other game, almost? Yeah, that's just about every other one. That's impressive. Aaron Judge also, never mind, I thought I saw he was leading, he was in the batting average conversation. J.D. Martinez hitting three sixty nine for the Boston Red Sox. That is, that's pretty impressive also. Your lowest ERA in the MLB is Martin Perez at 1.60. Jordan Alvarez sits at third in the home run conversation with 14. MLB is going to be a fun run throughout the year. Framber Valdez second in quality starts with eight. Eight quality starts already from the franchise. That's pretty impressive. 841st pitch tonight between the Houston Astros and the Oakland A's. Like Brian said, Oakland 20 and 31 on the year, 7 and 18 in the Oakland Coliseum. The Astros really need to win as many games as they possibly can. In this West Coast road trip, Christian Javier on the bump for the Strohs with a 3 and 2 record, a 2.43 ERA. In 37 innings, he has 25 hits, 48 Ks. He's given up three homers. And Frankie Montas for the A's 2 and 4 with a 3.28 ERA in 57 and 2 thirds. He has 42 hits, 66 Ks. He's walked 15 and has given up six home runs. It's a battle of the first and last place team. Tonight is game number two of 19 that the Astros will play against the Oakland Athletics this season. Final check-in on the poll question. Which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? So far, 60% of you say LSU. 34% say UL. 5% say La Tech. And 2% say Southeastern. Couple comments Tigers have a sweetheart draw. Fans don't have to travel far, and the only thing that can throw a monkey wrench in it would be J.J. letting the team overlook these opponents. Southern Miss does have the second-best ERA as a team in the country. Great pitching, great offense. Going to be interesting to see how that works itself out. In Hattiesburg, LSU will play Kennesaw State on Friday. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the week. UL will play TCU at 7 o'clock on Friday from Bluebell Park in College Station. I want to take this opportunity to thank Jay Walker for joining us to talk about the Cajuns Regional. Keith Gill, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, talking about the conference tournament and the four Sunbelt teams in the postseason. And then Brian Lalima joining us every Tuesday for To the Moon for a good conversation on the Houston Astros. For James Meshi and Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll talk to you on Thursday. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.